Welcome to the Life & Law Podcast. I'm Heather Mulder, former AmLaw 100 partner turned lawyer coach who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. But I was determined not to become yet another lawyer burnout statistic. And so I redefined success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I now help purpose-driven lawyers confidently retake control of their careers and create their next level of success and impact. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there, this is Heather Mulder, your host of the Life in Law Podcast. And as usual, I'm super happy to have you with me here today. So today's topic is a really important one. If you listened a couple of weeks ago to the interview with Licky Lavji. This is a complimentary episode to that. And if you have not yet listened to that episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. It doesn't really matter what order, but they're both complimentary to one another. So I do suggest that you go back and listen to it if you have not already. And I will say that this episode might be a little bit controversial, but I encourage you to listen through to allow today's lessons and discussion to really sit with you for a bit, to let them marinate. Because I promise that if you do that, you're going to end up better off. It's going to open you up to some deeper reflections that can only help you. So what are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk about what I see as the number one thing that holds most people back. And what I'm talking about is your inner glass ceiling. What do I mean by that? The inner glass ceiling is the internal stories you tell yourself about who you are, about what you're capable of, about how other people perceive you, about how the world works, about what you can and cannot do or at least attempt to do within the world that hold you back. So the inner glass ceiling is created from those stories. There is unfairness in the world, right? And you cannot control how other people perceive you in some ways. Now, you you do have some control, right? People perceive you based on what you do, how you act, what you say, what you don't do. I mean, people, we create a perception about ourselves. Obviously, there are people out there who are going to perceive you in some way, shape, or form in ways that are not fair. There are systemic inequities that potentially impact you, definitely impact some people, very likely impact you if you're a woman, if you're a man or woman of color, if you're LGBTQ. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about the internal stories you're in that create an inner glass ceiling. So why do I bring all of this up? Why did I even bring up the inequities, the unfairness when I'm talking about this? I got an email from a newsletter reader a couple of months back. And it was really interesting because the email that I had sent out that she was responding to really had nothing to do with what she was bringing up. So it was an email that I sent out celebrating that I just found out that I am considered cured 
of my cancer. Woohoo, right? <laughs> Exciting. I don't think I've mentioned it on here before. So yes, I'm considered cured. The kind of cancer that I had was triple negative breast cancer, and it was very aggressive. And when I first was diagnosed, the prognosis didn't look good because of that. And that particular type of cancer has a higher recurrence rate. Now, the good news is, that's the bad news. The good news is it tends to recur within the first three to five years of your original diagnosis and treatment. And the longer you go, the less likely it is to recur, which is different from a lot of other breast cancers. Many other breast cancers have a higher recurrence rate actually the further out you get. Well, with triple negative, that's not the case. And at some point, you get beyond a time period where they think it's reasonable to think it could come back. Well, apparently I've hit that time. I'm almost at 10 years. She said around 10 years is when you get to it. And and my doctor basically said, look, you effectively you're cured is what we we look at this as. So that was great news, right? And I celebrated by sending out a newsletter around that. And somewhere in there, I think towards the bottom, it was kind of a typical, hey, if you're interested in retaking control of your personal and professional life, here's how I can help with a link to my services page. I would not have thought that would have triggered someone, but it did. And the response I got back was, you know, with all due respect, what makes you as a white woman think that you can help women of color to retake control personally and professionally? And yes, I was a little taken aback at first, but I had to step back and say, okay, wait, where is she coming from? And let's not take offense. Let's seek understanding. Let's engage with her and get curious. And so I responded back. And my response was kind of my explanation of what I view retaking control of your life, both personally and professionally, is. And it happens to be around taking control of those internal narratives so that you can set yourself up for the most success you could possibly have. It doesn't necessarily change the unfairness in the world, the inequities, the things that may be working against you, external things that you cannot control. But it certainly allows you to take control of the things you can control, which is your mind, your mentality, so that you can make the best changes possible to your life, the best decisions you can possibly make in any given moment. And I responded to her, and I got a really lovely response back from her, basically thanking me for even daring to respond to her. <laughs> I think she worried that I wouldn't. And saying, you know what, you've made me really think. I'm going to have to consider this a little bit. And so that, that email actually got me thinking about, you know what, we need to tackle this. And we need to talk about how much it does hold you back. And... One of the biggest kind of excuses I get a lot when I when I go into this with new clients is, yes, but there's all these other things going on that I can't control, like the systemic inequity or, you know, um, just the unfairness in a particular situation, right, or how others perceive you unfairly or all these things that you can't necessarily control. And I get that. But you can take control of how you want to react to those things. And this is the best way to do that. So that's why we're getting into this today, because I feel so strongly about it and because I see this coming up so often in new clients and even potential clients when talking to them, but frankly, 
friends, family, everybody, we all do this. We all have these internal narratives that can create an inner glass ceiling. So what do I mean by an inner glass ceiling? It's kind of that upper level that you can't go past. And the reason that it's created is because of the stories that you tell yourself, those narratives that we have, that convince you that you're better off staying silent, you can't really advocate for yourself, it's better to do nothing, to stay miserable where you are instead of making a change, because, you know, things are uncertain and they might be worse over there. Or what will people think if you fail, right? So what this means is that you can advocate better, not just for yourself, but on behalf of other people, and even for greater causes to affect real change societally, once you've dealt with your own inner glass ceiling, which is why we're talking about it today. First up, what exactly is an inner glass ceiling? Well, I think I've already kind of given you a couple of examples, but let's make sure you're really clear, okay? It's that inner chatter within your mind that... If you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it here before, the sadness that reminds you of all the bad, of all the what-ifs, of what's not possible, of what you can't do because, of why you're not capable, of how you'll be perceived poorly or differently if you speak up, if you have your own ideas, if you are going against the grain. It is that inner critic that we all have, the negative self-talk that's going on in your head. But it's not just a brief moment of talk. It's the talk that's created from various narratives that you've taken on to self-identify with. And those narratives have been created from your own experiences oftentimes, okay? They come from... Often something that has happened to you or to someone you know that you've experienced by watching that you've now run with and made into a rule. Well, this is always, it never, it's just the way it is, that kind of thing. Sometimes it's also based on the demands and expectations that have been put upon you. So yes, a life experience, but not necessarily something bad that happened, but over time, the overlapping expectations, demands that are consistently put upon you by society based on maybe a role that you play as a mom or a dad or a lawyer, right? By other people within your family or friends, and oftentimes roles that you've taken on yourself. Sometimes they're from your own aspirations, and oftentimes, it's really, it's an internalization of all of these things. And so sometimes we don't really even realize that we've done this for ourselves because it just kind of organically happens over time. We create these narratives for ourselves and you've internalized it to the point where you don't even realize it's stopping you from taking action or from going all in. So here's something that I want you to take from today's conversation. And probably if you take nothing else away from today's conversation, this would be the, the number one thing. Even though there are things within this world and society at large that can and might very well be holding you back, you need not internalize 
those things. Because if you internalize them into you, into a part of who you are and how you perceive yourself, they're then going to hold you back from way more. So think about it. This is a lawyer podcast, right? Let's think about Sandra Day O'Connor, the first female Supreme Court justice. If she had constantly taken it upon herself to internalize that society won't accept a female Supreme Court justice, it's never been done, so then she can't do it. Do you think she'd ever have made it there? No, she wouldn't have. And I'm sure you can see plenty of other people who would fit into that mold as well, that if they had taken on the societal standards of the day or the things that they felt like were systemically making it harder and used that to internalize it and further hold them back from even trying to change it, this world would be very, very different. What I'm hoping is that you, after listening to today's conversation, will be able to really take a little bit of time to reflect upon the internal narratives that you have that might be holding you back that you want to let go of, or at least change. Change into something that's more empowering and not something that is keeping you from doing the things you truly want, living the life you most want, okay? So here are some of the ways that these narratives can play out, especially within lawyers and other fellow high achievers. Seeking validation from other people instead of being content with yourself without that validation. Always feeling like you're still not doing enough even though to most people you clearly are. Not going all in after what you really want. Maybe you think you just don't know what you want, but really deep down you do, and you're scared to go after it. A fear is holding you back. Or you believe that it's just not possible for you for some reason. And sometimes perfectionism can also be a sign of an internal narrative that's holding you back. Because when we hold ourselves to these perfectionist standards, it's impossible. And we tend to overplan. We tend to want to make things perfect, which can never, of course, happen. And so then we never go out and really go after those things and do the things that we most want because it's never going to be perfect. Now, to be clear, this is not merely about having some doubts or sometimes thinking these things. We all do that from time to time, and it doesn't always stop us. It is normal, and it's how the brain is supposed to work. In fact, our brain is supposed to be a bit on the negative side and warn us of these things so that we can plan accordingly and make sure we think through all these issues. And I actually have gone through this a little bit back in episode, I think it was number two, early on, around how the brain works and how the lawyer-trained brain can additionally add to that. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you go back. This isn't a problem unless it is a true narrative that you've internalized. And you know that has happened when it continually holds you back. You never thrive. You give up easily. You don't go all in. That is when your internal thoughts are limiting you. They're limiting your potential, right? Not the external forces. It's, it's those things that are first limiting you. You're not even allowing for the external stuff to come into play. Because as I've also discussed before, I think it was possibly an episode two. There may have been another episode and 
If I can remember, I will put a link to that episode as well into the show notes. How you think and the beliefs you have shape how you feel. And those combined are what determine what you're willing to try or not try, right? How you feel governs the actions that you take. And so it's supremely important to understand why you feel the way that you do so that you can actually address it. And that's where the narratives come into play. That's what you actually have to address to figure out, okay, what is this narrative? And how did it come up so that I can look at it from a new perspective and see if I want to change it to be more empowering or let go of the narrative altogether? Because you have a choice on what to do with those narratives that have been holding you back. Now, please understand that what I'm talking about here can seem really hard when we're stuck in it. This is why we have coaches like me and plenty of others out there to help people. Our role as coaches is to help people identify these narratives and then either learn to let go of them or change them so that they're more empowering for them. So if that is you and you are like, yeah, Heather, This totally speaks to me. I know I've got some of these. I just don't know what to do with them. Or I'm still not quite sure where they come from. And then, of course, don't know what to do with them. Consider reaching out to me or any other coach. That's what we do. I can tell you from personal experience, both in battling my own earlier in my career and as a kid even, and um, now in my role as a coach and helping people get over these, It can happen much more quickly than you realize. And a lot of it really has to do with identification, proper identification of what they are and where they come from, because it pulls the blanket back and allows you to see it from a new and fresh perspective. Because here's what happens. We get these internal narratives based on these experiences that we've had. And because we don't sit down and really identify where they've come from and how they developed, we don't even realize the full extent of them and the full story we've been telling ourselves. When we pull back these covers and and get better understanding around what they are and where they come from, our mind kind of automatically goes, oh, but wait a second. It starts to challenge them more freely. Because it pulls them out into the open instead of continually having them hidden in the background. So just that self-awareness piece can be really, really powerful. So let me give you an example from my own life around how a narrative can really shape you and hold you back. If you've been listening to me from the very beginning, then you know a little bit about my past and my background. And if you haven't, you may want to go back to episode number one where I talked a little bit more about this. But I grew up with a single mom. My parents divorced when I was very young. My mom was an alcoholic my entire childhood. She didn't give up alcohol until I was in law school. And I felt because of that, like I had to prove myself. I felt like I needed to do certain things and take on a certain persona from a very young age to prove that I was better that I could do for myself. I wanted to be this independent, strong person. And so I started with doing well in school because that's what I had control over. I became the smart girl, right? I studied hard. I did well on tests. I was the teacher's pet. I wanted to be the teacher's pet at the time. 
And so I took on that that narrative. And as I got into law school and then started practicing law, there were no attorneys in my family. I was also lower middle class. We were not poor by any means, but we didn't have a ton growing up. And I soon learned that a lot of people who go to law school and then get into law come from a little bit better backgrounds. They have more connections. They have um, a family history of lawyers. And they go to really great schools, right? And so I didn't feel like I had any of that. I had no lawyers in the family. I didn't know any lawyers going into law school, really. The person, one of the people who I'd looked up to who'd kind of gotten me interested in the law had been a former boyfriend of my mom's, and she was no longer in contact with him, so I didn't even know him anymore. And we didn't really have any connections in the family. And I looked around, and I saw all these people with connections and thought, oh my god, I'm never going to be able to make it. I didn't go to the most prestigious law school. I went to University of Houston, which is actually quite a good law school, but in the rankings, they weren't considered quite as prestigious as some others. And even though I'd gone to the University of Texas in um, an undergrad, I didn't really have any any connections, the kind of connections you get from going to the big law schools, right? And so I was really worried that, oh my God, I can't hack it. And what I really meant by that is I figured, okay, I could do well at practicing law, but how am I ever going to build my own book of business? I'm probably always going to be a service partner. That's what I took on. And it held me back in a lot of different ways. I allowed it to weigh really heavily on me. And even though I wasn't at a level where I needed to develop my own book of business, I kind of had in the back of my mind that, well, I'm just always going to be a service partner. It planted a seed, but I would just never be good enough. That no matter how much success I had, it still wouldn't be enough. And frankly, it made me think for really the first four and a half years of my career that I might have to go in-house. And so it held me back from going after some things that I could have and probably should have, would have gone after, I guess is a better word, had I not had this internal narrative. I would have put myself out there more for other partners. I would have gotten known. I was a bit more introverted back then, and it made me question whether I really ever wanted to be a lawyer. It's part of the reason I went through that whole crisis several years into my career that lasted for a couple of years before I finally shook out of it before my husband finally lovingly said, Heather, you know you have a choice, and kind of put me on a new path. But until that point, I never questioned it. Now, at that point, where my husband at the time didn't seem lovingly, but really was lovingly, questioning me and telling me, look, stop putting up with this because it's really about you, and let go of all this stuff and start making better and different decisions and take control of your own career. Um, until, you know, once he said that, it kind of snapped me out of it a little bit and made me start questioning, well, is this really true? Because here's the really funny thing. After he snapped me out of it <laughs> a little bit and I started questioning this internal narrative that I'd created for myself – my mind opened up and I started noticing that there were a lot more lawyers out there 
who didn't have connections, who didn't come from money. I had really limited myself to just focus in on the people that were complete opposites from what I'd been and how I'd grown up and totally closed off myself from even noticing those people who were the perfect role models for what I could become because they didn't come from much either. They hadn't had the connections either. And once I learned to start opening up to that, it expanded further and further into, well, this is possible. Well, look at what they did. And I slowly changed my own narrative into, wow, it's totally possible despite all of this past. And in fact, the past has made me more resilient. The past has made me stronger. It has enabled me to do things that some of these people who, you know, had things come easily to them may not have the same grit, may not be as willing to go out there and do some of the stuff that you're willing to do, Heather. So I changed the narrative. The experiences didn't change. It's just that I created a much more empowering narrative, which is ultimately what enabled me to leave my first firm when I realized it wasn't the right fit and I wanted a different practice, to go to a much more entrepreneurial firm, to branch out on my own and start building my own business as an associate, and then to pick myself back up after the 2008 financial crisis that wiped out all of my business and enabled me to pivot and rebuild my practice and really grow it from scratch on my own in my own way. None of that would have happened had I not sat down and said, you know what, this narrative doesn't work for me anymore. I need to change it. Here's how. Okay, so how can you identify your own internal narratives and then start breaking free from them, either letting go of them completely or turning them into something more empowering like what I was able to do? Step number one, you got to identify the internal narratives that you've got, right? The ones that are creating that inner glass ceiling and actually holding you back. So how do you do that? Well, pay attention to the language that you use. And sometimes the language is external, but sometimes it's internal. So pay attention to that internal chatter, right? That voice inside your head. And here's what you're looking for. I can't. That's not possible. Well, that's true for him or her, but not for me because. Well, it's not done that way or it's never been done that way. That's going to give you a clue to step back and go, whoa, why do I think I can't? Why do I think that's not possible? Why do I believe that's only true for that person but not for me? Why do I believe it can only be done this way? Or because it's never been done the way I'm thinking about it can't be. So that you can start challenging that and really identifying, well, why? Why am I saying this? These are clues. Go deeper. Also, identify when certain traits come up. When you don't feel like you're doing enough. When you feel the need for validation. Like you need somebody else's validation. When you consistently doubt yourself. When you are holding yourself to those way too high perfect standards, these are also clues that lead you to your inner glass ceiling. So when you identify those, step back and say, okay, what's going, why do I believe? What's the rule or what's the thought, the belief behind why I'm doing this? Why do I feel the need to be perfect here? 
Why do I feel like I'm not doing enough? Why do I need validation from whomever it is? Why is it not good enough for me to know I did my best and did a great job here? Again, these are clues. Look behind those clues and ask what's what the deeper beliefs really are leading you to feel this way. And again, as I said before, it's really important to understand that this self-awareness is critical. You obviously can't go any farther, right? You can't change your narrative or let go of it if you don't even know what it is. But in all honesty, because you've never pulled those covers back far enough and because they're usually kind of deeper in the deep recesses and we don't sit here and look at it, just merely identifying what these narratives are can be really helpful and help you automatically start challenging them. Now, when you're doing this, a couple of things. Number one, don't just look at the beliefs, but go even deeper once you look at the beliefs behind the feelings and say, well, where did this come from? Because your story, your narrative really does revolve around that. Look behind the curtain even further and say, okay, how did this really show up? Where did this come from? What event? What circumstances? It's going to help you gain deeper understanding around what the full narrative is, why it popped up in the first place to allow you to change it for yourself. Second tip, consider journaling. It makes it a little bit easier. It kind of shows your themes that are showing up over and over again more quickly. And it makes it easier for you to identify kind of the what and the where it came from. And just note that this whole process can really bring forth some messy feelings. This is why we often don't identify these narratives for ourselves because they're vulnerable feeling. We don't like going there. It's why they've remained hidden for so long. It's why they created that inner glass ceiling. So just note that this is going to bring forth some vulnerability, some uncomfortable feelings. I highly advise that if you haven't listened to my podcast episode from this past summer on how to deal with uncomfortable feelings, you go back and listen to that because it's going to help give you some exercises for how to deal with the feelings that are going to come up. I think journaling is one of the ones that I covered in there. Okay, so step one is to identify these internal narratives. Step two is to start changing your narrative or at least working to let go of it. It very much depends on what your narrative is as to whether you just let go of it completely and challenge it and walk away from it or whether you change it into something more empowering. And you get to make that choice. You get to choose. Do I? Am I ready to let go of this? Is this completely untrue as far as I'm concerned and I'm ready to let go of it? In which case you can walk away. Or... Am I ready to change this narrative into something much more empowering, like what I was able to do? Now, the question becomes, well, how do you do that? How do I change the narrative into something more empowering? It's a little bit easier to envision how to walk away from something and say, okay, I'm just done with this. No more. That's just not true. And here's why. But to change the narrative into something that's different and more empowering, take a look at what it is that your narrative is and identify, well, what did I learn from this situation? How can this story spur me into taking better, different, more action? 
a lot of this is just speaking differently to yourself about what that experience really means. So for example, back to my original example, instead of utilizing my past being, you know, different, not having connections, um, not having as much money in a bad way, I was able to change that narrative to make it, you know what, it gave me more grit. It gave me more mental resilience. It gave me certain strengths and skills that have made me a better lawyer and now a better coach. So how can you start looking at your experiences differently? And I've got a note, a dose of gratitude here is helpful. So identify what you're grateful for in those experiences that have taught you valuable lessons that you can utilize moving forward. And really, there's some reframing in there as well, right? When we take something that was difficult or unexpected in a bad way and reframe them into, well, here's how I can utilize it moving forward, that's a really powerful way to change a narrative. So it's called cognitive reframing, and you can absolutely use it in this instance, not just in respect of stress, which is where I've talked about it before. So something to note here that I absolutely also recommend. It's really helpful when working on this type of deeper work to be really crystal clear around your personal values. Your values are really your compass for the best decision-making possible. And when I say best decision-making, I'm talking about making decisions that create more contentment, that you don't second-guess, that really make you feel aligned in a sense of an authentic would be a word that some people would use. Aligned is more my word. But aligned around, you know, who you are and just feeling good in your own skin. And so really lean into your values here and make sure you understand what they are. If you are unfamiliar (laughs) with what personal values are and you're not quite sure what I mean by this or what to do with them, I would go back and listen to my episode around how to redefine success for yourself because that episode, it really revolves around your values and how to redefine success as a values-based way of living as opposed, as opposed to a destination. So I definitely go back and listen to that. And for an example of how to live that out, Then I would also listen to the episode where I interviewed my former client and friend, Jim Chester. He's a great example of how to do that. So definitely lean into your values. Utilize them as your compass for decision making. Make sure you know what they are. And if you don't know what your values are, that's something to work on. And it is something I definitely help my clients with. So let's chat if you feel like you you need help around that. Now, a final thought here. What I'm talking about is actually an issue of self-care. And you may not think of it that way, right? You're like, okay, Heather, self-care is like physical fitness and I guess, you know, mental health, mindfulness, that kind of stuff. But this is a big part of your mental health. Identifying those internal narratives that are holding you back, that create unfulfillment, that make you question your you know, what you're even here for. Question, well, is this really why I'm here? Why do I feel this way? It is a mental health issue. And so it is a self-care problem as well. And remember, self-care 
is all about self-respect. And there's no better sign of self-respect than being willing to go a little bit deeper, get behind these narratives, and stop allowing you to hold yourself back. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful at everything. But what this does is it allows you to go do the things you really want, to achieve more of what you want, and to be content with whatever happens because you know you've put your best foot forward. You've done what you can, and you can be content with yourself in that, regardless of what actually happens. Sometimes we're meant to go after something and fail because there's a valuable lesson learned. The success is about going after those things and not letting your own inner fears and narratives stop you. I got to tell you, I know this firsthand. So when I when I got cancer, I learned quite quickly that a lot of the stuff we worry about in our day-to-day really doesn't matter. What matters most are all the things we thought about doing and wanted to do yet never did them. You obsess over those when you think you are likely to die. And I'm certain people at the end of their lives do too. Those are the things you regret. What this episode is really all about is getting you to not get to that point where you have all those regrets, where you can actually say, you know what, my life wasn't perfect and I failed, but I'm okay with that because I, I went after the things I cared about. I tried my hardest. I did my best. That's what I want for you. All right, so before I let you go, a couple of things. Number one, if you have not yet joined my Get Re-Energized 7-Day Self-Care Challenge, I highly recommend that you do that. It is designed to help you shift your entire mentality around self-care so that you can simplify it, enjoy it, and actually prioritize it guilt-free. So I will have a link to the self-care challenge in my show notes, and I really want you to join if you haven't, because we all know self-care is a big deal if you want to serve others to the best of your ability, and being a lawyer requires you to serve others to the best of your ability, but also so does being a parent and a friend and all these other things, and you want to be your best. So that means you really want to feel your best as well. Also, if you are enjoying this podcast, I have a quick request. Please share today's podcast with somebody you feel needs to hear it. I would so appreciate it. And if you have not yet given me a rating and review, I would also appreciate that as well. I will have a link to where to do that in Apple in the show notes as well. Okay, that is it for today. Next week, we have a special episode just in time for Thanksgiving, so be sure to look out for it. Bye for now. Are you tired of just barely squeezing the personal into your life while thinking there's got to be more to success and life than this? If that's you, I want you to know that you can have both balance and success at the same time as a lawyer. And it's not as hard as you might think. If this speaks to you and you're ready to do something about it now, book a call with me to see how coaching can help. Go to lifeandlawpodcast.com forward slash free call. You only get one life, so be sure not to put you off forever. 
thank you for listening to the Life and Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life and Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com. 